Welcome to the Blues Callers Love. My name is Samuel. My name is Aaron. And today we have a special guest joining us. We have the multi-talented expert Arthur J. Edward Keyes joining us today to talk about some projects he was involved with. Welcome, J. Edward. Oh, man. Yeah, thanks, y'all, so much for having me. This is great. Yeah, we are super excited. I, I'm especially excited about this one because I love it when artists have lore. Um, not sure. a lot of artists do it, but sometimes they'll just have like these random side stories or background information that just makes their music way more interesting once you know about it. So just to kind of get everyone in on the in, um, for those that aren't familiar with your name, what contributions have you made to Starflyer 59? Sure. So I wrote uh, the liners for the Greatest Hits uh, box set, Easy Come, Easy Go, um, which I believe came out in the early 2000s. Um, I, am, I want to take this opportunity to say that I'm quite embarrassed by them now and uh, certainly not my best work, but that's probably uh, how people in the Starflyer universe might have heard of me. Um, I also um, did a mystery, a serialized mystery novel called The Dromedary, which Starflyer did the theme song for. Um, I wrote the short story that appears on the B-side of the Portuguese Blues 12-inch. And uh, probably, I was trying to remember, probably some other writings for them over the years that I'm just forgetting. now. Oh, I did, um, for the Ghost of the Future box set, I did something for that as well. Um, so yeah, it seemed like anytime Starflyer needed something written, I was, I was the guy. Nice. Very nice. Um, just, just so you know, I, I, I don't know why you're embarrassed by that. I mean, first young author, and you kind of set up the, um, whole, like the different sections of Starfire. And I think we've talked about it on the show too, about how, you know, these songs about him being tired, playing, we sick of tour and everything. I mean, mm-hmm. albums. And so, so yeah. And I think that's probably why I, I'm not, that's probably why I think like that too. And so yeah. uh, I, 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 I just wish the actual writing was better. Like it, it's, it's pretty clear when I, the age that I was when I wrote that. So let's see, I mean, I'm going back, I'm 46 now. So I was in my twenties when I wrote that and I, you know, I don't know if I can curse on this, so I won't, but I just thought, you know, I was, I was hot, you know, I, I thought I was hot stuff basically. And uh, I, nobody could tell me anything. And, and I just thought, you know, I am going to crush this. I am uh, on, I'm the king of the world when it comes to writing. And I read it now. And honestly, all I see is like the arrogance. And I just, I see how infatuated I was trying to write like other authors that I liked. And it just makes me cringe. I tried to read it again recently and I couldn't even get through the first like page of it. All that said, you know, people have told me that like the divisions that you referenced and, and the thematic breakouts they really like so like i think maybe some of those conceptual ideas that are in there I'm, I'm i'm still cool with it's just the actual words that i chose are painful for me to revisit 20 something years later okay fair enough i'm sure any artist would say that stuff about something they did 27 years before. <laughs> <laughs> all right well let's um go ahead um and um get into the question so um how did you get involved with starfire and jason in the first place so uh like all 
good things in the world, it started with Scott Hatch, who runs Burnt Toast Vinyl and is one of uh, the nicest human beings on the face of the planet and is also just a great connector. So I actually met Ronnie first. Um, I was living with Scott Hatch. Uh, I, we were roommates and he was going to drive to Ohio because a friend of his was putting on uh, like a con, basically, you know, like the comic cons and stuff. It was like a fantasy con. Um, so there were people in all these kinds of costumes ranging from like sword and sorcery to like vague BDSM. And somehow Joy Electric had gotten booked to play this thing. So we, we, so we drove to Ohio. I can see and, Ronnie doing that. Yeah, it was so random. And well, Ronnie, I, I think, didn't even know because I remember we pulled up and I got introduced to Ronnie and his face was just like, what am I even doing here? Because it really was people in like, you know, full Lord of the Ringsy type outfits. And then you would just get someone in like a dominatrix outfit walking around like it was all extremes. Clearly not the right venue for Joy Electric to be playing. So perfect. That's perfect. For it's the fantasy mystical. What is this? I think it's perfect. Whoever booked that show, great job. <laughs> <laughs> well, the headliner, if you want to get really deep, the headliner was this band called Dink, who were around for about a half a second and were just like sort of a bad Nine Inch Nails ripoff. Anyway, Joy Electric played. It did not go well. Um, the the it was. I remember things being thrown at the stage. It was pretty rough. Flip side of it is that, you know, we all kind of, we all went back and crashed at somebody's house together and we all kind of bonded over the course of that super surreal experience. This was also at the time that Cloud was in Joy Electric. So Cloud was there too and I got to know Cloud and he was kind of dub doing double duty in both Joy Electric and Starflyer. So Joy Electric came through a few more times and then eventually Scott Hatch booked Starflyer to play Philadelphia, which is where we were living at the time. And so when Cloud came through again, I already knew Cloud from this super surreal experience. And so then I was able to meet Jason, um, who's an interesting dude when you first meet him, because he's he can be a little standoffish is the wrong word. He's very introverted. And so where Ronnie was like really gregarious and and uh, joked around a lot immediately, Jason, like it took a couple of passes and a couple of like run ins with him over the years for him to. I think for me to finally feel comfortable with like what, what his energy was. Um, so that's kind of how I met him. I, I met him from knowing Ronnie and then meeting cloud and then just kind of interacting through Scott, bringing the band to, to Philadelphia. Okay. And then like eventually when they needed stuff for it and they just started, Hey, we know that guy. Yeah. So I was actually trying to think of the chronology. Um, okay. So I had interviewed Jason a bunch of times. This is what it was. I'd interviewed Jason a few times for, um, I, I don't know how old you guys are, but some, some listeners might remember there used to be a magazine called Seven Ball and I yes. was writing for them. Yes. Have yeah. some of those issues. <laughs> nice. Amazing. Yeah. So I was writing for them and I ended up doing a couple of stories on album cycle. Like I did the fashion focus album cycle and I want to say I did leave here a stranger as well. And it just got back to me that like, Jason really liked the stories and liked my writing um, and felt like it was the only, you know, it, eh, he just liked, he liked my writing basically. So when it came time for Tooth and Nail, they wanted to do this box set. They were like, who do you want to do the liners? And, and Jason had remembered 
these good interviews that we had had for Seven Ball. So that's kind of how I got that gig. And then it just continued from there. So I'm pretty sure Portuguese Blues, I forget where it falls in the lineage, but uh, I want to say that the liners, Easy Come, Easy Go, I started that project first. Um, yeah. Portuguese is too Very nice. Yeah. Uh, Portuguese Blues didn't come out until 2003. Easy Come, Easy Go came out in 2000. All right. So, yeah. So, so it was those liners. That was the first thing. Okay. So, speaking of Portuguese Blues 12-inch, mm-hmm. um, this is – it's a bit rare, um, and I haven't seen anything on the internet about it. Mm-hmm. What is the story on the flip side? Because I tried asking Aaron, and Aaron's like, I don't know. I never read it. Yeah, I don't blame, I don't blame him. Um, I wouldn't read it either. <laughs> it's not that I didn't read it. It's just very hard. I have glasses. It's I, I, so I just, hard to read. Like, yeah, <laughs> I tried to read it. <laughs> well, it's, I pulled out my copy earlier because I was like, what the hell is this thing about? And I was like squinting and trying to hold it up to the light. So basically, it was another one that was kind of written in this style that I was writing, which was like really free associative. And the premise of it is that there's a guy who is trying to tell a story to a friend of his. And the story the guy is trying to tell is about how he was essentially kidnapped, dragged down to a basement. There were two scary guys there and a box full of rats. And the guys say increasingly ominous things to him. But as he's telling the story, it becomes clear that his friend's not really listening to him for whatever reason. Uh, And so just as kind of the story builds where he's going to do the big reveal of why he was down there, he gets frustrated with his friend not listening and is like, forget it. I'm not going to finish the story. And that's where it ends on the 12 inch. Uh, it was just an excuse for me to write run on sentences, basically. Is there, that, is there like a, a, a printed version somewhere? Probably on like an ancient Windows 99 computer or something that is in a trash heap somewhere. I have no. Yeah, I don't have a copy of it anywhere. Oh, what a bummer. All right. All right. We're all right, Aaron, it's our new mission. We gotta find that and get it like started somewhere on the I don't know, maybe we'll start a blue collar blog or something. I know someone can do someone can do a rubbing like the archaeologists do. (laughs) 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 You know, I'm I'm doing that tonight. Awesome. <laughs> Think about that. <laughs> That's all right. So, all right. So, so, okay. So, we talked about that. So, another thing you did was on for Velvet Blue was the, yeah, um, the Dare I'm sorry, I'm butchering it. Theme song Starfire did. How did that yeah. come about and, and had the story come about? All that totally. So, it was, um, the internet, when, when we did this, it, it, this is really, I'm really dating myself now. But when we did this, uh, you know, the internet was like still kind of a new thing. And it still felt like there was all these possibilities of things that you could do with it. There, I mean, there was no YouTube. There was no, uh, there were, you know, I think Napster was like just starting, but there was no streaming music. And so it was like this thing had just kind of gained cultural prominence. And a lot of people were like, what can we use this for? And so for me, as someone who grew up, uh, you know, watching Twin Peaks, I was like, I wonder if I could do a mystery, if I could use the internet to do a mystery story, murder mystery that was broken up into like, quote unquote, episodes. 
And every month there would be a new episode and you had to like tune in to like watch it. Like the model for it was like a TV mystery show, except I was going to write it and it was going to be on the internet. It's stupidly high concept. So uh, I asked, I was writing for a magazine called True Tunes at the time and pitched it to him first. And he was like, yeah, we want to do it. Um, so I was so excited. I wrote the first episode and I sent it into him and he was like, this is terrible. We can't run this unless we make significant changes. Now, if you remember back to what I said, easy come, easy go, I was an a-hole. Like I was totally arrogant, full of myself. And I was like, I will not, how dare you question my 20 year old genius as a writer? I'm going to take this to someone else. So I took it to the Velvet Blue website. And since it was on Velvet Blue and I was friends with Starfly and we wanted it to be like a TV show anyway. And I knew that uh, Martin is a big fan of Alfred Hitchcock and Sherlock Holmes and Twin Peaks. I was like, you know, we want to make this like a TV show. Could you do like a theme song and we'll have a little flash animation opening credits for Dromedary and everyone will watch that. And that'll be like the theme song before every episode. And then after the theme song plays, it goes, you have the text of the episode. So that's where that came from. He wrote it as like a theme song to this, this serialized um, mystery novel, um, which I ended up going back and fixing last year during lockdown because, uh, yeah, like I said, the, you know, True Tunes, when they rejected it because it was bad, they were right. The writing was really bad. And so I had this thing that I had done that, people would ask me about every couple of years but because of the Starflyer song. People would kind of track down on the internet that theme from Dromedary was for this, you know, mystery novel. So I get like Twitter DMs or, you know, people finding me and being like, Hey, I'd love to read the Dromedary. But because I was so embarrassed by it, I was like, I don't, I really don't want this circulating. Like there's ideas in here. I don't really stand by anymore. The writing's really bad, blah, blah, blah. So finally last year I had all this time on my hand. And all these people kept hitting me up that I was like, you know what, F it. Like, I still have the original dramatary. I'm gonna fix this thing. I'm gonna write it the way that I would write it now. And I'm gonna put it up and it's gonna be on Bandcamp, which is where I work and people can buy it and all the money will go to charity. And then finally, all these people who are hitting me up, asking me for the dramatary, there'll be a version of it that I stand by as an adult now that like they can have and enjoy or whatever. So that's what I did. And so it's up at um, jedwardkeys.bandcamp.com. I think I made it pay what you wish. It comes with a brand new theme song that my brother recorded because we couldn't license the original from EMI. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, yeah. The curse so, continues. <laughs> yeah. We, just, we, we didn't even want to jump through those legal hoops. So my brother just made a whole new one. So it's out there. If anyone's listening and always wondered about the dramater, you can, you can have a version of it now. The plot's the same. I just fixed the writing. And it's at jedwardkeys.bandcamp.com. Cool. Yes. Download that, guys. Um, I know I'm going to be doing that. Um, how did you um, get involved with the Ghost of the um, Ghost of the Future box set? Which, by I have to say, a, a, a vinyl release is one of the coolest, if not the coolest, packaging release um, releases ever. So, how did you get hooked up with that? Oh yeah. I mean, I agree. It's gorgeous. That again, Scott Hatch, the man. Scott, um, did, that came out through Burnt Toast Vinyl, and um, you know, Scott and his label, he just has a commitment to doing things the right way. And he's like, if we're gonna do this, we're gonna do it right, we're gonna make the packaging nice, we're gonna do this wood box and letterpress sleeves, and every 
single is going to be a different color and the labels are going to be different. The dedication to quality throughout Burnt Toast Vinyl was just amazing. And for that one, he was like, let's just fully go for it. And then by the time that came out, I was already sort of in the universe. And it was that weird period of time where it was like, if Starflyer is going to do something, you know, we'll ask Keys to write something for it too. But that was just from my connection from living with Scott Hatch. And he had also had a, a zine that was called Burnt Toast. Uh, in Philadelphia. And that was just like the indie rock Bible of Philadelphia. And I, I had been contributing to that as well um, in like the late 90s. Um, and so, yeah, that was just another thing where, you know, every now and then Scott Hatch will email me and just be like, you know, we're doing this thing with uh, Starflyer. Uh, can you write something for it? And I don't know when this is coming out and I can't really say much about it, but uh, let's just say that there's another collaboration uh that i did with starflyer that should be out by the end of the year um so oh, this, oh, this, yeah. this, this story continues we are excited about that all right so now that, man, that is <laughs> you, you heard it here first yeah. Oh, we we hear all the things here first. It feels like lately. I love it. Awesome. No, because Ronnie Ronnie announced the um the um what, what's the thing he announced? Oh, his new album. Ronnie's new album. He announced. Oh, amazing. No, he he announced. He also announced no, no. the um, yeah. Morella's Forest Project. That's what it was. Yeah. No, oh, wow. No, he, yeah. Yeah, that's what it was. He announced his solo stuff on Twitter. That's right. I get confused. I'm old. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. So, with your long, illustrious um, career in both indie music and Starflyer 59, mm -hmm. tell us, um, what is your favorite Starflyer album slash song slash anything? So, it changes. Um, so, I lately it's been I Love You Like a Little Bird for song because I find it so heartbreaking. Um, and I just think the writing on it is so good. Um, similarly, I think it's also on that record. I've been weirdly really into the song Taxi. I DJed last Sunday and I played it and it kind of slaps. If, if you play it like in a bar, like it really works. Um, it really so does. Those, yeah, th those two have kind of been jams. For all-time favorite album, man, I got to go back to the era of Starflyer that I have the most emotional attachment is probably from Silver up to Leave Here a Stranger. Um, I have all the albums, but that's, well, almost. Uh, but but Leave Here, that's probably where it cut off. So, man, I want to say Leave Here a Stranger because I'm also a huge Daniel Amos fan and that, you know, Terry produced that one and it's like a meeting of the minds and like two, two generations. Um, it's probably a toss up between that one and Fashion Focus. Um, and Fashion Focus, I've been, man, I've been trying to get that thing on vinyl and forget it. It's like multiple hundreds of dollars. The irony of that, I'll tell you a, another story about that. So Scott Hatch put that out. He, he did the reissue, this one that's on Discogs for multiple hundreds of dollars. Scott Hatch did the reissue. And I was living with him at the time. And he was like, hey, do you want one of these? And I was like, teaching somewhere I wasn't making a lot of money and he would have given me a deal, whatever, but I was like, ah, I'll just get one eventually. Don't worry about it. Well, now I'm like furiously seeking one and I'm remembering living in a house where there were literal boxes of the album, like just sitting in the living room. And now, 
God. Like, I was tripping over them. It was right in front of me. It was the house I was living in. And now, like, 20-plus years later, I'm like, God damn it. Like, what did I do? I'm so sorry, Jay. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh, that sounds brutal. Um, That is... That is great. Um, Well, I mean, not great, but... um, No, it's it's how I appreciate the irony. Before the next question, I want to, I do want to test that. Yeah, Scott Hatch, I had limited interactions with him. He's very good dude. And Scott, if you could deliver a message, if we get a reissue of the Unwit Sailor, the Marriott in the Box on vinyl, that'd be amazing because they too have gone away with Leave Here Strangers. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> do you I'd have, be happy to convey that message. Yeah. He'll, he'll probably be thrilled to hear that. Yeah. Do you have a notable story about working with Starflyer? that you want to share that you haven't already? Well, so the one thing I was trying to think of something that I, I could share and stop me, maybe other people have told you about this, but the main thing I remember about Starflyer, especially at that time I was hanging out with them, which was like the late 90s, early 2000s. So Jason, Ronnie, and Cloud had like a very specific language. It was almost like a code language. Has anyone told talked about this before? I do vaguely, I do vaguely remember that, yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So just from like spending time with them, you pick up on these weird turns of phrases like everything was uh, literal or literally way before Chris Traeger on Parks and Recreation. The Martin brothers were, were <laughs> using it that way. Um, yeah. I mean, Indiot was another one that they came up with, which were people who were like so indie that uh, – they, you know, they were actually stupid. At a, <laughs> they, they, they were so full of themselves. Um, yeah, there were, and so you just would find yourself picking up their speech patterns the more you hung out with them because they had such. It was just all this like layered in code. Um, I, I remember they didn't, they didn't want to curse, so, so they would say, you know, if something was bad, they would say it was shinny. S-H-I-N-N-Y. So it was like kind of close, but not actually saying the word. So it's like, oh man, that record's kind of shinny. And you'd be like, what? What are you talking about? So there's just all these little like switches that they did. That's brilliant. Here I thought you was going to tell us about how um, they got you into a game of blackjack. Um, no, I never, I, they, I never gambled with them. Um, and I don't know the first thing about gambling, so I would have. They, Jason would have had a good night if they ever played cards with me. And I hear if you play Black Cloud with Jeff Cloud, then your 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 family's going to be destitute at the end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, those guys are big. Yeah, they're big. They're they're big card sharks. <laughs> <laughs> they used to play with Gene Eugene before he died. I think that that, that was. I think. You know, that was kind of a bonding thing around Americana and the records they worked on with Gene is like after they'd knock off in the studio, they just like stay up super late and play cards with Gene. Um, so, yeah, that's definitely a real thing. Awesome. All right. Well, um, really, just one last question for you. We thank you so much for your time. Um, oh, man. Thank so you we guys. heard you plug um, Andromeda or I'm dormitory, whatever. I'm going to get the word right. I'm super excited <laughs> about listening to that. Dromedary. I'm dromedary, right? Yeah. Dromedary. Correct. <laughs> Do you have any other projects that you would like to plug? 
Yeah, I mean, the main thing that I would want to plug is that I um, I run the editorial department at Bandcamp, and we have a publication that's called Bandcamp Daily. And uh, if you like discovering new great bands uh, like Starflyer 59, I would encourage you each and every day to go to daily.bandcamp.com and see who we're writing about. That's my plug. Awesome. Right. Yeah, I I am um, I really appreciate Bandcamp and what they do for new and upcoming artists. It's a cool. Awesome. It's a cool thing. Yeah, me hey, too. Let me ask you guys. A, can I ask you guys a couple questions? Yeah, go for it. So tell me about the origin of this podcast. Uh, okay, I, I um I posted in I think the Joy Electric in Starfire. Um, Facebook group say, hey, anybody want to do a Starfire podcast? It sounds like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> oh, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> so you guys did not know each other at all before doing this podcast? We've never met in person. He lives in Indiana, and I'm in Virginia. <laughs> the internet wow. is a weird, wonderful place. Yeah. That's what. Who, who has been, um, you know, besides me, who has been your favorite guest on the podcast so far? Who's had, who's had the most interesting stuff to say? Or if you don't want to say it, that's fine. I'm just curious. They all have, but I would have to say that because I'm a huge Daily well, just Terry Taylor fan. So oh, yeah. Fun. That was really special for me. Um, and then Ron, who's the coolest guy ever. That was yeah. amazing. And then Lee Nash, she's a legend. I mean, that oh, was, whoa, you got Lee on? Yeah. <laughs> nice yes, one. We got to talk amazing. about Starflyer 2000. That was Explain a. Uh, the most, but as far as best stories. How I, did that go? You have to listen. Let's, let's just say that. Okay. <laughs> I'll listen. <laughs> listen. But Wayne Everett was the most knowledgeable. Like the stories we have oh, with yeah. Wayne, he, that he was, yeah. So, yeah, it's hard, man. But those are mine. What do you think, Sam? How about you? Um, I think I really um, I enjoyed Ronnie a lot because Ronnie is the coolest guy in existence. <laughs> yeah. um, he just is cool. Um, and then I I think um, just because it made me like him as a person, I really enjoyed talking to Joey Escabel. Um, oh yeah, one of, the, one of the funnest guys to hang out. Like I I could just see myself just hanging out with him just because. Nice. So. That's, how felt, that's how I felt about Josh Dooley. <laughs> oh sure. And but who's, yeah, that's who's, the one. Who's the Who's the white whale? Who's Who's the guest? You know, dream guest? Uh, Jason Martin. We I, don't expect it to I ever think, happen, but, but <laughs> you know, don't. I wouldn't be surprised. Okay. To be totally yes. honest with you, I, I don't think it's that far. I mean. Ronnie did it, Terry did it, Lee did it, Wayne did it. Yeah. It, I don't think it's as Jeff Cloud too. Jeff Cloud too. Yeah. I think you got a shot. I'm not just I well, think you got a shot. Just just expect when you do get him on for him to give you two word answers. <laughs> oh yes. That we um, be prepared for that. <laughs> amazing. Are you I'm, <laughs> uh, yeah, but that 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 would be the the white well. Yeah, I think awesome. I think uh, my uh, backup um, white whale um, would be uh, Julie Martin. I would also really love to talk oh, to her yeah. about Bon Voyage. Yeah, sure. Those are amazing. She will give you more than two word answers. I've I inter I've interviewed her a couple times back in the day, and she is a delightful person. But Jason will be like, yes, no, I don't know. But you'll still be talking to him. It'll be fun. So yeah, no, that is. 
Um, about what I expected. Um, I think he is a <laughs> musical genius. He just doesn't love being a front man. That, that, that's all an act, though. Come on, Jay Edward. <laughs> no, it's not. Actually, that, that reminded me. If I'm not totally, you guys are gonna like edit this later, right? So I can just tell stories. You know, pick yeah, I can. I can. Yeah, I can that's stop cool. recording now. It's fine. No, no, no. You you can use this story. I just don't want to like. This isn't off the record. You might find it funny. I just didn't want to be like going on and on and on at length. Oh but here's no, one you're last, fine. Go for here's, it. Here's one last Jason story, and you can totally you can totally use this. So my most recent interaction with him was when he was touring with Low Tom, and uh, they played Rough Trade in Brooklyn, and I live in Brooklyn, and so I went out to see the show and went up to the merch table, and there was Jason, and we connected for the first time. I probably haven't seen the dude in like 20 years before that. So we chatted, and of course he's like, step outside, I want to smoke a ciggy. So we went outside, he's smoking and he looks at me and he's just like why am i even here what am i doing here i don't want to be here why am i playing a show and i'm like you have not changed at all in 20 years absolutely no playing a sold out show in brooklyn at rough trade and he was just like geez i want to be home i don't want to be doing this why am i even here and i'm like dude so there's that is exactly what I expected. Um, was this for now? Question: Was this for Low Tom's last album? It was the first one. So I think the last oh, one okay. came out like right when everything was shutting down. It was the the pink cover one, and they sold I was all it out. Excited. I mean, it was well, I was all excited. I'm like, wait, so Jason Martin's playing shows again? I will go to it. I don't care. <laughs> he did. They did two. Here's another. Here's this is also classic Jason, and honestly, classic all those guys. So they did like an L.A. show and a, a New York show, and I think that was it. And then the, the New York, the set list, right? They play the first Lowtown album start to finish. And then they go off stage, and of course, everyone's cheering. So I'm there with Scott Hatch and a bunch of other people, and I'm like, I wonder for the encore, maybe they'll come out, maybe they'll do a Pedro song, or maybe they'll do like a Starflyer song. They come out for the encore, and they just play the first three songs over again, and then walk off. <laughs> Yes, I love it. That's <laughs> oh man, these are the most the down to earth guys. I love them. <laughs> yeah, so that's the vibe. Sorry. <laughs> Good. Nice. All right, we'll let you get out of your chair. We're just being nice and illuminating. All right, guys. Have a great night. Thanks for asking. Hey, you as well, sir. Thank you so much. Have a good night. Oh, it's my pleasure. Have a good night. Take care. Right. Bye. Bye. And um, once again, my name is Samuel. And I'm Aaron. I might not make it through the night. <laughs> this has been a Brothers King Media production.